Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi guys, Julie J here just to say thank you so much for tuning into Crime Land today. And I just wanted to say a massive thank you to anyone who has taken the time to review us and or rate us on Spotify or Apple. I was today days old when I found out that you can actually review us on Spotify as well. Like I'm still at the Bebo stage of technology. So forgive my ignorance, but it really means so much. I had a look at some of the reviews during the week and honestly, lads, I can't tell you how much it means to me when people leave these lovely reviews. I'm just so appreciative. So thank you so much to everyone who has taken the time to do that. And if you do enjoy today's episode, it will be deadly if you could review us um, after you've listened. Just to say as well, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast because it just means that you're never going to miss out on an episode. For all my banging on about subscribing to podcasts, I've only recently really started to subscribe to podcasts and I've no idea what I've been doing with my life up to now. I mean, it essentially just means you're never going to miss out on a show you love. So I've no idea why I wasn't doing it. I'm pretty sure it was some kind of extended form of self-harm. I'm not quite sure what was going on with me, but I've sorted my life out. I'm subscribing to podcasts. It's all good. Just the usual disclaimer as well, guys, to say that today's episode might contain themes which some listeners may find distressing, and we always strive to discuss these topics in a human and empathetic way. Today, you are in for such a treat. I have Linda Weston of Linda with the Y podcast. She is so deadly. Her podcast is brilliant. Do check it out when you've listened to Crimeland. She really had me in stitches today. She is just so, so funny, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and here's your episode. Enjoy!
to Crimeland. My name is Julie J, and this week I'm talking to the brilliant Linda Weston about a media dyer, aka the Ogres of Reading. Linda, how are you, Mrs? I am absolutely fantastic, Julie. And the last time I was talking to you, you had a baby like three months before or something, and you were so normal. I was saying to you, I was, before we started recording, I was in complete denial. I tell you that much. Like, had Ted hanging off the tit and was pretending like I was functioning it was, and it was all okay, but I honestly, was not I okay. was recording with you and my baby, I think, was nine months at the time. And I was like, why am I shaking in a corner going, what's after just Oh, happening? no. And Amelia, so <laughs> Amelia hit me hard. Let me tell you. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, that was when I was definitely still, yeah, I was still running on the hormones, I feel then. And Linda, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Just to say, um, obviously, the listener isn't working with the visual and we're definitely not recording from my utility room. And Linda definitely is not looking at my knickers. Um, That is, that is the truth. I mean, you could, this is like real only fan stuff over here, Linda. Oh my God. My knickers, Ted's jocks, like. Lads, I can sell this. I'll sell this to Hello Magazine. Revealed. The Cookster's revealed. Exclusive. <laughs> Julie J wears knickers. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you my sources for this one, Linda. So I have an article by Jamie Bogart called The Ogres of Reading. That's from a really good website, uh, uh, the lineup, which is great. I also have a brilliant article by Sarah Lee um, from the BBC, which is a really great one as well. I used crimemuseum.org and we also used Wikipedia. So what I'm saying, Linda, is we're not pulling this out of our arse here. <laughs> no, you have done your research, girl. You have done I, your research. I have been up all night, <laughs> surrounded by knickers, doing research. So I'm going <laughs> to dive right in. Okay. Let's do it. So Amelia Hopley, stroke Dyer, uh, was born in a small village near Bristol in 1838. She was the daughter of a successful shoemaker and was privileged enough to learn to read and write at a time when the majority of women, of course, couldn't. So a bit of a, hmm, Yeah, she was a bit posh, was she? She was a bit posh. And of course, do you know what I love about you, Linda? When I yeah. did your podcast before, which we will mention at the end, yeah. uh, I loved the way you were a bit of an English head back in the day. Not to, <laughs> not to make this about us, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. You, you were also well, big into Do you know what? English. I'd like to say I was a bit of an English head, but it's all gone, Julie. No, can we going back to my leaving search, guys. Julie is referring to my leaving search. I got an A board in my leaving search, English. However, I cannot spell now. I do it. I have to spell shivery chairs. No shiver. (laughs) I can't even say the word shivery chairs. And I was sweating. Go on, do you spell that? So listen, it's gone. Anyway, let's go back to Amelia. (laughs) Look, Linda, what I'm saying is, like, Amelia was a bit of a nerd. You're a bit of a nerd. I'm a bit of a nerd. Like, we're all in it together. So (laughs) despite Amelia's relative privilege, young Amelia had a difficult childhood due to her mother's mental illness. From a very young age, Amelia had to, I suppose, kind of look after the mother, which obviously was very hard. And in 1848, her mother actually died, which, of course, really affected Amelia and she had to move in with an auntie for a little bit. Um, She eventually found work as, like, it's mad to think this was a thing back in the day. She found an apprenticeship as a corset maker, which I suppose we've all watched Bridgerton, I guess, is a thing. So, I mean, a bit of engineering involved there. So she found work... (laughs) 
she bangs on. Oh, geez, I wish I, I wish now Amelia was around when I had my wedding. We were just talking about me spinning out of my dress. Jeez, one more fitting, one more fitting. So sadly, Amelia wasn't there at the time, but this was what she was doing. And then in 1859, her dad passed away and she kind of fell out with the family after the dad passed away, which does happen a lot. You know, I mean, I suppose it does happen. What age is she now? You think? Okay. What age is she now? Talk about sweating. Hang on. Born in 1838, her dad died in 59, so when she was 21. Um, so she's uh, like an old woman uh, now hey. in Victorian yeah. terms. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I suppose, yeah. L1. L1. Okay, so uh, she trained as a nurse then, and she kind of went off, this was her new chapter, she went off as a nurse, but more pertinent to this story, she started working as a midwife. So... Yeah. At age 34, which of course would have been very old in Victorian times, uh, she would have been she would have been a right spinster at this yeah. stage. Uh, she married William Dyer. So she met this guy and he was a brewer's labourer. Not really sure what that is, but sounds impressive from Bristol. It does, definitely, yeah. William was her second husband. Her first, much older husband passed away in 1869, but we don't really know much about him. He's a bit of a mystery, but he was a lot older. That's all we know. And he died in 69. Uh, William and Amelia had two kids, Marianne, who was better known as Polly. Now, this is what I love about Victorians, Linda. <laughs> they have a name and then their nickname is totally not their name. <laughs> I have a few uncles like that as well. Do you not? Like they're like a John, but everyone calls them Tommy or something. Would you? <laughs> I do. Well, when I say uncles, I mean, do you know when your mas and dads say, oh, that's your uncle, but it's just your mas friend from the pub, your dad's friend from the oh, pub. Oh, funny. That is yeah. gas. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so like a pseudonym. So it's Johnny, but he's under the pseudonym of Tommy. I like, I have a few uncles and like say, I wouldn't say, like, I have an uncle, Judy, which is short for George, but you can see how that would happen. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a buzzer, is he? Well, no, but I mean, like, as in from Jared to oh, Judy. yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you what, Julie, I thought Ted, when you called the baby Ted, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. What a name. But does Ted's popping up all over the place now, isn't there? All over the place. Yeah, it's really back in vogue. There's a lot of Ted's. And, you know, it's funny. I kind of liked, like, not to be one of those people, but I did kind of like the fact that it was the such an unusual name. Yeah. I know there, there's a lot of Ted's floating <laughs> around. And I'll tell you this much. There's a lot of, I would say, and absolutely not throwing any shade because I love a bit of English reality TV. There's a lot of English reality TV heads naming their kids Teddy as well. That's like a big yeah. thing. Anyway, it's all, it comes back to me. I'm yes. a trendsetter. What am I, what can I say? So they had the two kids, Marianne, who was better known as Polly and William, because of course they always called as well the, the kids after the dad. So they had William yeah. Jr. Um, she eventually left her husband, but not know much is known about William Jr. But Polly, of course, um, as we would later learn, was very much kind of like Amelia's right-hand woman. So Polly oh, and herself okay. were very close. Now, just a bit of background here. So in Victorian Britain, unmarried mothers had a really hard time. Um, the passage of the Poor Law Amendment Act in 1834 meant that fathers, can you believe this? So fathers of kids, so uh, I suppose if, if parents weren't married, the dads no longer had a financial obligation to their offspring, which meant that unmarried what? mothers, yeah, really struggled. So it was obviously really, really hard. And this led to 
the practice, I'm so sorry for this term because it's a really disturbing term, but the term used at the time was baby farming. So basically what this was, was it was essentially a business um, and many were legitimate. And the whole idea here was that uh, women could pay for uh, these businesses to take their kids and essentially foster the kids and look after them. So it was all very kind of, you know, it was obviously- Were they like, taking the kids to look after them while they were off doing something else? Or did they want them to take exactly. the kids forever? So it, was, so it was kind of, I suppose it depended on the situation, but usually what it was, was that they paid Paid somebody to look after their babies and usually it involves surrendering all their parental rights so just as a mammy it's like you know I the mean it's really awful ever. yeah yes. and if you've seen a photo of this girl guys you wouldn't be <laughs> handing your kid over like me and my husband we are like we're strung out for babysitters we have no babysitters but seeing this young one I can't believe people are handing the kids over <laughs> it's shocking I know. I, I mean, know. The, do you know what? I don't even think I can put her face up on the grid. Like, <laughs> it's really scary stuff. Oh, so scary. But all them photos, I've never looked at one of them photos from the 1800s and went, oh, God, she's so pretty. Like, they're all scared shitless. Every single one of them look like they're terrified. But I think weren't they told not to smile, which was also what they my dad so. told me on my Holy Communion Day because I had such a mad head. <laughs> He's like, just don't smile. The photos will look better. A communion photo, my community photo. I looked about 40. I say people are like, is she getting married or is that her communion? Oh, funny. I look about 40 and like, we have to get our community photos together. We're talking oh, about. listen, I, <laughs> mine was just, mine is ending up on a true crime website. I tell you that much. It was so bad. So within that context, Amelia's life as a midwife, it was challenging enough because obviously, you know, you know, she was working with people who were in a really, really sticky situation. Yeah. Um, and Amelia, she didn't like to work too hard. She just said to herself, you know what, this is not for me. But then she decided to embark on this next business venture, which was, I suppose, related and inspired by her job as a midwife um, her friend and fellow midwife Ellen Dane and herself to start start decided to start charging families to care or foster their infants they decided this was much easier and more lucrative than actually helping women deliver these babies so working under numerous aliases Amelia put ads in the newspaper offering a quote nice family with no children, quaint country home, 10 pounds, which would have been the equivalent of like um, over grand in today's money. So unmarried mothers responded to this ad and this seemingly respectable, obviously this is a fake name, Mrs. Harding was the name that Amelia was using in the hope that they were finding a good home for their kids. Of course, this process of effectively buying babies under the guise of giving them a better home had earned this really awful term of baby farming. But, you know, there were instances where it was kind of, I suppose, a, a reasonably legitimate situation. Yeah. Um, but once the mothers were put at ease, the baby and adoption fees were handed over, regardless of what the mother wanted. Amelia always insisted on a full adoption with no further contact. So it's interesting now even, um, I have actually a podcast lined up about um, the Magdalene Laundries. and Very similar... Very, Very similar, similar vibe. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I completely misunderstood this because I thought what it was was like affluent families yeah. giving their kids over, but they're not, it's not at all. It's people that are like struggling already. 
yeah yeah and it's it's just really really awful and it's the thing is it's really unclear when Amelia's operation turned deadly so at the start it seemed like it was all legit and then at some point whether intentionally or not the babies under her care began to die so eventually what happened was was that one too many death certs were issued to Amelia and a doctor grew suspicious and of course he alerted the authorities in 1879 Amelia was arrested and actually she was charged with allowing children to die by neglect rather than manslaughter or murder she was sentenced to six months of hard labor and what's really really fascinating about this is she credits this her six months of hard labor she said that that actually left her mentally ill so once she was released she was kind of in and out of at the time you know obviously we don't refer to them as this anymore but mental hospitals she was in and out of psychiatric institutions and there's evidence that she began abusing alcohol and opium-based products so uh, she was kind of you know had a lot of stuff going on and she did also attempt suicide on at least one occasion but spoiler alert she survived okay (laughs) well listen come here to me so how can you go in and out of them hospitals like how can she just go okay I'm fixed now they had to be letting her out you know what I it's mean? a it's a weird do you know what I thought the same because again yeah. this shows my ignorance I really thought Victorian <laughs> times like once you're in you're in and that was yeah. that but I think from what I learned about her reading the bits and bobs it seemed like she was a really smooth talker so there was mm. a bit of that going on um but I know yeah. I thought the same Linda such a good point that it is a bit surprising but she she definitely like yeah she was in and I out of that which is surprising. Um, so things went awry again for Amelia in 1890, the baby of an unmarried governess. So of course, a governess now, it would have been viewed as quite a reputable job. So again, we see maybe class, like the classism involved in this. Yeah. So this governance, she put a baby into Amelia's care. And when like, now this is really creepy stuff. When the mother returns for a visit, she realizes something is wrong and insists that the baby that's presented to her isn't her baby. So real changing stuff. The governance, yeah, the governess, of course, was not impressed. She pulled off the clothes and the baby was missing a birthmark that the baby had had. And so she began to question Amelia. This led to Amelia having, let's face it, probably, you know, probably faking a breakdown and entering what was referred to as a mental asylum for a period of time. Eventually she got back out again. So this was the cycle and she returned to this practice of baby farming. And this time she took extra care to... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. ...over her tracks. So now Amelia no longer uh, called for death certs. It's crazy, isn't it? It's actually, like the way she was able to just get out and just be a different person. All like we know all this kind of with catfishing, I suppose, now. Yeah. She was catfishing the shit out of everyone. But like she was able to just get out of a mental home and be like, I'm a different person now. Give me and your you baby. And you know what? It was real Cora O'Donovan vibes. Like GAA catfish. Like, yeah. have you, like place in the fake ads. Have you listened to that GAA catfish story, by the way? I think I'm the only person in the world that has a listen to it though. Ever. Oh, I Linda. I lied to a few people and went, yeah, I have because I felt it's left It's insane. Down. And actually, guys, because uh, uh, we do have a good few listeners um, further afield, if you're not familiar, the two Johnnies have the, who are lovely guys, gigged with them a couple of times, really nice fellas, and they have a mad, an absolutely mad story on their podcast called the GAA Catfish so do check it out it um, but it is yeah serious catfish vibe so she's using different names she's posting these ads in the papers and she no longer called for death certs when the baby died babies died so this was kind of how she went I suppose under the radar yeah. and how was she going to be really caught anyway because the Nas were told they can't yeah. be in contact with the kids ever again desperate Jesus yeah, Christ really, really bad. Hard, girl, man it's re- like it's it's just like pure horror stuff it really is oh and what God. herself and Polly and uh the family would do then is they moved around a lot they never st- stayed in the same place too long they went from Bristol to Reading to Cardiff to London and that was until a March day in 1886 because the thing is with these criminals they're always going to slip up like it's inevitable yep. So on this day, a guy who, uh, a barge man, a guy who was driving a barge, was sending cargo up the Thames in Reading and he saw a box lying along the riverbank. When he looked inside the box, he saw the body of a dead infant within. He called the police and they confirmed that the body was of a little girl uh, who was between six and 12 months old. They, really, really awful. Like just so yeah. sad, like on the side of a river. And <laughs> But what really helped the police was on the, so on the box, there was really faint writing and it had the name Mrs. Thomas on it and a barely visible address. Now, here's the thing. They had obviously been on to Amelia for a while, but they yeah. didn't have any strong evidence to link her yeah. to the crimes. Uh, she also had this habit of disappearing to, you know, the mental asylum when things got tough and, you know, it just, they always 
I suppose they were on to her, but she kept slipping through their fingers. Yeah. So they had collected additional evidence from witnesses and more information from Bristol police, but they were unable to find any conclusive details. That's when the detectives decided to use a young woman as a decoy to secure a meeting with Amenia to discuss her services. Whether it was designed to link Amenia to her business or as an opportunity to arrest her, the plan worked. And on the 3rd of April, 1896, Amenia was expecting a new client when, in fact, she was greeted by dun 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 detectives. Oh, yes. yes. Listen to me, was the address her address? Yes. So it's a fake name, but her own address. Yes. So that's what, but it was barely visible now. So like they did well to work it out. So they entered and like they raided the home and police would later say that this, the smell was just horrendous. Like quite clearly people had died there and no bodies were actually discovered, but they did find a rake of evidence, Linda. They found telegrams about adoption arrangements, letters from concerned mothers inquiring about their kids, receipts for ads, babies, clothing, like they found a rake of stuff. And they estimated that upwards of 20 babies had been in the care of this, quote, Mrs. Thomas within the last month alone. And police believe, Wayford, that the death toll here, Linda, might be as high as 400. That's what they believed at the time. 400 babies. (laughs) Really awful. Yeah. And when you think it was like one woman and her enterprise, it's just terrifying stuff. So uh, because what they what they decided was that at some point Amelia worked out that once the mammies had paid her, the less time she had the babies in her care, the more profit she made. That that was their thinking that that was her rationale. So that is why the death count is just so many. She was arrested, charged with murder and brought to Newgate Prison where, uh, take a guess, what did she play based on her past history? <laughs> Insanity. Insanity, which was rejected. Because <laughs> uh, they, they kind of, they did a Linda Weston on it and they said, you know what, if you're kind of just dipping in and out of the asylum, we think you're okay. <laughs> Yeah. after jury meeting of just four minutes because this is what I love about Victorian justice oh, like there was man. no beating around the bush okay no Johnny Depp Amber Heard oh, stuff going on they that's are. a whole other podcast yes yeah, so <laughs> no none of that four minutes she was condemned and on the 10th of June 1896 she was hanged outside Newgate prison Obviously, her story attracted a lot of news coverage at the time, and it did lead, thank God, to stricter adoption laws in the UK. But unfortunately, now this is really creepy. Unfortunately, the crimes by this family did not stop after the death of Amelia. So Polly, who had got off scot-free from any charges after her mother testified that she'd never been involved, was rumored to continue this horrendous practice of baby farming after Amelia's hanging. So a number of ads, Linda, by a quote, Mrs. Stewart for adoptable babies said, quote, the little one would have a good home and a parent's love and care. And many believed at the time that Mrs. Stewart was Polly's pseudonym, which would mean that she continued on this horrendous practice of baby traffic trafficking even after the execution of Amelia. Oh my god, it's actually unbelievable. Polly must be messed up though. Like, like, oh. like well like she's obviously traumatized as well. Ah totally like yeah like absolutely messed up like that, that that's why that's why she continued on the family business. <laughs> I mean it's still it's but it's, it's 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 pretty creepy isn't it? Linda 
absolutely love you. That has been the story of Amelia Dyer, aka the Ogress of Reading. Lindy, you've been an absolute joy. You're so funny, so gas, so brilliant. <laughs> you have a deadly exactly, podcast exactly. if you want to tell us about it, Linda with a Y. Linda with a Y is my podcast. Listen to it on all podcast platforms, guys. And you've had great guests. I've had some deadly guests. Yeah, I have a few actually really good ones coming up. I don't, so I have the Daily Dish. Now, I love her. <gasps> she was my favorite because I'm so obsessed with her. But I had oh a Oh my God, I am obsessed week. with them. Mr. Dish is on. And I swear to God, Julie, like I know he's married to Gina, but after I talked to him, I was like, I'm so in love with him. I know. <laughs> but don't they just seem like I'm the married. most gorgeous couple? And I love, I'll tell you what, do you know what I love about them? I love even, you can really feel how much he adores her. I'm like, they're such couples goals. I was talking to him at the beginning. He's like, I feel real weird not talking here without Gina. I'm like, Steve never says that. Like, you think Fred says says that? Maybe he does, actually. I think myself and Fred say all the time, I think, you know, I think a part-time relationship is what suits myself (laughs) and Fred. Like, it's good that we're on the road a bit, is what I'm saying. Like, for sure. Daddy, we need a camera in that house, please. Get a camera on the road. Let's have it. Let's. You'd be like the Kardashian. You'd be thinking, you'd be talking about Amelia Dyer. Like some dark shit goes on in this utility room. Let me tell you, we definitely don't need the cameras. I'm going off to try my knickers, Linda. We'll find you on Linda with a Y uh, podcast. It's such a deadly podcast. I'm very excited to listen in. Listen in? Why am I talking with Jack Jackson? Listen in there now. I'm really excited to listen in to Mr. Mr. Dish. Um, thank you so much, Linda. You're an absolute star. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.